Welcome to the TappingSolution.com's Bits and Pieces podcast, where we share information designed to change your life. Whether you're new to EFT tapping or an old hand, you'll find simple, inspiring information to brighten your day, motivate you, and help you live your best life. To learn more about tapping, visit thetappingsolution.com. Now, here's today's clip. The Tapping Solution for Manifesting Your Greatest Self. 21 Days to Releasing Self-Doubt, Cultivating Inner Peace, and Creating a Life You Love by Nick Ortner. To the listener, may you manifest all of your heart's desires. Note, a book will only reveal its deepest secrets if you finish it. To that end, I've made some special resources available to take your reading experience and results to the next level. You can access them for free at www.thetappingsolution.com forward slash manifesting. That's www.thetappingsolution.com forward slash manifesting. Take a moment to access this now. It'll be helpful from the first page on. Introduction. This is my fourth book, and it's my most personal one to date. It's not that this book is about me, although I do share some of my own story in it. It's more that the journey I take you on is similar to the one I went through to become my greatest self, living my greatest life. That journey inward is what has allowed me to wake up each morning in a home that I share with my amazing wife and our beautiful child, ready to do work that inspires me. It's what has allowed me to enjoy vibrant health and an incredible group of friends within a community that I feel profoundly connected to. It's why I regularly experience a deeper sense of joy and abundance than I imagined possible. Who I am now is possible because of this journey. I didn't know it at the time, but this journey, and hence this book, was born in my mid-twenties. At that point in my life, I was living in an 800-square-foot apartment in Bethel, Connecticut. I was working in real estate back then, and my office was the kitchen counter I shared with my girlfriend. I wanted so badly to enjoy the process of turning houses into beautiful homes. I wanted, really wanted, to run my business with kindness, gratitude, integrity, the same principles I was trying to live by. But real estate is a cutthroat business, and there was no simple way out of the sizable debt I'd accumulated to get to the next big sale. I loved my girlfriend, but there was no denying that our relationship wasn't meant to last. So while I wasn't often alone, I often felt incredibly lonely. To add to my misery, my energy was constantly being drained by severe allergies and chronic insomnia. In spite of these challenges, I tried every day to bring more ease, flow, love, and gratitude into my life. I really tried to focus on the right things. But the fact was, my life wasn't working. Have you ever had that experience? When no matter how hard you push and direct or sit back and let go, 
the square pegs you're working with just won't fit into the round hole that is your life. When you start to lose confidence that you'll ever get it right, like I was, you're probably aware of your patterns. You probably know that you need to let go of the past, forgive that person, and show up to your life in new ways. You know it's time to stop doubting yourself and finally feel the strength and confidence within you. Yet somehow, you can't do it. In spite of all the work you've done to heal yourself and change your life, nothing seems to finish the job. It's incredibly frustrating. What if those roadblocks to deep, lasting transformation simply went away? What if you could wake up as your greatest self, living your greatest life? What would that look like? More important, what would that feel like? Those are the questions I was obsessed with. To be honest, I still am. Amusingly enough, when I look back, one of my greatest assets was my impatience. I simply couldn't accept the idea that personal development had to be that slow. So I kept searching and searching. I tried almost everything until finally, in 2003, I found tapping. That was when my life began to pivot toward fulfillment, love, abundance, community, all the visions, hopes, and dreams I'd held inside me. If you told me back then that I'd now be spending my days helping people heal their lives and their bodies, I would have laughed. Sure, I'd always loved personal development. I'd been devouring books and audios on personal empowerment, emotional healing, and more since high school. But pursuing personal development as a career? Me? The idea never crossed my mind. But then I learned what I know now. Tapping can change everything. I've never been a daredevil kind of guy, yet these days I select random volunteers from audiences of thousands, people I've never met and know nothing about, to come up on stage to heal themselves and their lives. I don't do that because I've magically become fearless. I do that because I don't have to prove the tapping works. The results it produces speak for themselves. So now I'm the guy on stage who picks anyone from the audience and 20 minutes later, half the audience is crying while the other half is gasping and applauding at the transformation they've witnessed. There's science and research to back up those results. And of course, I'll share that with you. Here's the great news. In a nutshell, science has shown us that we're not the static beings we once thought we were. The brain that controls our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors is neuroplastic. The human brain can and does change. That means that lasting transformation and deep healing are possible. And there's a growing understanding that the true gateway into the brain is through the body, which is exactly how tapping works. In fact, tapping has been shown to relieve emotional, mental, and physical stress, even positively impacting gene expression in the body. How cool is that? Your DNA can work more effectively in your favor thanks to tapping. So whether you want to heal your spirit and heart, your body and mind, your relationships, your finances, or something else, you can use this book. As long as you do the tapping, you'll come out of this journey more firmly grounded in your greatest self, ready and able to step into your greatest life. So tell me, 
when you begin waking up each morning feeling like your greatest self, what would you most like to experience? More peace? More abundance? Greater physical well-being? Deeper connection in your relationship? Will there be more love, light, passion, and fulfillment in your daily life? You can create your own happiness and then transform your outer world. Take it as far as you want to or farther. Join me on this incredible journey toward manifesting your greatest self. Starting now, the sky really is your limit. In this book, I share my journey within a 21-day timeline that will first allow you to clear the obstacles to manifesting your greatest self and then support you in charting your personal path to a life of peace and purpose. Each day guides you into the next step in the journey, inviting you to reflect on and, when you desire, transform your inner and outer worlds. Within each day, you'll find a simple, easily doable daily challenge, as well as a tapping meditation script that I urge you to use to move forward in your journey. To add as much ease and grace to the process as possible, here are some tips to keep in mind. About the 21-day timeline. This journey is presented within a 21-day time frame, but know that those days don't have to be consecutive. You can set aside two, three, or five days to digest and tap through each day's content. Take the time you need, but do commit to completing the journey in full. To help you move through it, you can sign up for my email reminders and select the pace that works for you. If you select a three-day time delay between reminders, you'll receive an email nudge from me every three days. If you select two or five, that's when you'll hear from me. If, as you move through the content, you want to change your pacing, simply return to that form and request a new time frame. To sign up for those email reminders, go here, www.thetappingsolution.com forward slash manifesting. That's thetappingsolution.com forward slash manifesting. A few other things to keep in mind. Daily challenge. Since this book is intended to produce real-life results, each day ends with a challenge. Often these challenges present new ways of thinking, different areas of focus, some kind of action to take. Please do complete these challenges. They'll make a significant difference in the long run. Allowing what you've learned to stick and positively impact you and your life. Tapping Meditations Each day has its own tapping meditation script to guide you, with words and phrases you can use while you tap through the points. These scripts are in the appendix so that you can easily find and return to them. By now, hopefully, it goes without saying that tapping is essential to getting results from this journey. Do the tapping. Note, as you move through the tapping scripts in the book and the appendix, feel free to tailor the words to reflect your experience. The goal with tapping is never to say magic words, but to tap on your own experience. Your 21-day journey map. At the end of this book, there's a journey map that summarizes each day of the journey. This is intended to provide you fast and easy access to content you want to revisit. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Quick start. Let's get tapping. Imagine a day with fewer obstacles and irritations. 
a day where traffic isn't so bothersome, school mornings feel easier, money is less stressful, self-doubt fades away and confidence flows in, and everyday commitments create little, if any, pressure. Can you feel that? Really see that as your life? Ever since that day in high school, when I discovered my mom's Tony Robbins audio tapes tucked away in a random pile, I've been doggedly focused on helping people live happier, healthier, more fulfilling lives. The journey you'll soon embark on will guide you toward your greatest self and from there, your greatest life. It all begins with shedding the stress and other negative emotional states and patterns that are keeping your greatest self just beyond your reach. The first step is learning the only tool I've found that makes deep and lasting transformation possible in far less time than other methods, tapping. Without it, you simply won't get the results you want and deserve. If you're well-versed in how to tap, skip to day one and dive in. If you're new to tapping or it's been a while, stay right here with me to learn how to tap. Your mind-body reset buttons. So how does this tapping thing relieve stress and in so doing, give you faster, more complete access to your greatest self? As it turns out, the answer is in your biology. In a double-blind study conducted by Dawson Church, PhD, participants were divided into two groups. One group was led through an hour of tapping, while the other, which was the control group, was given an hour of conventional talk therapy. The tapping group showed an average of a 24% decrease in cortisol levels, with some experiencing as much as a 50% decrease in cortisol. In contrast, the control group which received conventional talk therapy, showed only a 14% drop in cortisol. Dawson recently published an additional study about the powerful effects of emotional freedom techniques, EFT, on gene expression. This newer study was published in the journal Energy Psychology. Dawson summarized these findings in this way. Levels of gene expression are like the gradations of a light controlled by a dimmer switch. The expression of many genes can be dialed up or down. Stress, hunger, tiredness, mood, and many other experiences affect gene expression levels. In this pilot study, investigator Beth Maharaj compared an hour of EFT to an hour of social interaction in four subjects. She found that 72 genes were significantly regulated after EFT. The functions of these genes are fascinating. Among them were the suppression of cancer tumors, protection against the sun's ultraviolet radiation, type 2 diabetes insulin resistance, immunity from opportunistic infections, antiviral activity, synaptic connectivity between neurons, creation of both red and white blood cells, enhancement of male fertility, building white matter in the brain, metabolic regulation, neuroplasticity, strengthening cell membranes, and reducing oxidative stress. This and other studies suggest that EFT is an epigenetic intervention regulating the expression of many genes. Just an hour of EFT is doing your body a whole lot of good. Research has also shown that acupuncture increases endorphin levels in the body. Since tapping engages acupuncture points, tapping like acupuncture, allows the body to release the endorphins that then reinforce positive feelings 
as well as physical and emotional well-being. The incredible results that tapping has on relieving stress may be explained, at least in part, by its ability to access what are called meridian channels. Although awareness of these channels dates back to thousands of years of ancient Chinese medicine, it wasn't until the 1960s that these thread-like, microscopic anatomical structures were first seen on stereo microscope and electron microscope images. Those scans showed tubular structures measuring 30 to 100 micrometers wide, running up and down the body, described in a published paper by a North Korean researcher named Kim Bongan, they are also referred to as Bongam channels. As a reference point, one red blood cell is 6 to 8 micrometers wide, so these structures are tiny. You can think of meridian channels as a fiber optic network in the body. They carry a large amount of information, often electrical, and often beyond what the nervous system or chemical systems of the body can carry. By accessing these channels, while processing emotions and thoughts, as well as physical conditions like pain, tapping gets to the root cause of stress more quickly than other stress relief techniques can. That's a very quick cursor view on science and research. But if you want to see some of the many papers published on its effectiveness, go here. Research.eftuniverse.com That's research.eftuniverse.com EFTUniverse.com. So the science is in, the research is in, it's starting to make sense. But most important, what can it do for you? Let's find out now. What's bothering you now? You'll find an interesting dichotomy in this book and the tapping process, in that the main goal of this book is, as the title states, to help you manifest your greatest self. That means we're going to work together to let your light shine brighter than ever before, to feel at peace in your body, to create the life experiences you most deserve and desire. And while we will be focusing on these positive intentions and aspirations, the tapping process itself, what I believe is the fastest process to manifesting your greatest self, starts someplace else, in the down and dirty of life. After all, It's our daily experiences, the nitty-gritty of our day-to-day that makes up the majority of life. By addressing, and when necessary, healing the everyday, we become prepared to move forward in bigger, more powerful ways. So let's start there as we explore tapping, so you can really see and feel the transformation that can take place. I find the easiest way to start is to focus on what's most pressing right now, on what's bothering you most, big or small. So tell me, what is it? The weather? Not getting enough sleep? The email you just got from your boss or the text from your ex? Really be honest here, because that's your most powerful starting point. What's that annoying thing you just can't let go of? What's taking up your mind space and energy right now? What's got you doubting yourself and fearing the future? What's in the way? It's called your most pressing issue, MPI, and you're about to learn to use tapping to make that MPI shift in dramatic ways. Clearing space. First, let me quickly share something about your MPI. People often worry that by focusing first on the negative, they're rooting themselves in it, somehow bringing it deeper into their lives. 
on the contrary, by clearing out the stress, fear, and other negative emotions that we all naturally experience, and there's more on that on day two, you can more quickly clear that mental and emotional dirt and create more space for authentic positivity to grow and thrive. Let's tap. Now that you've got your MPI, it's time to get started. Here's the basic outline of how to tap. Step one, focus on your MPI. As you focus your attention on what's bothering you most, your MPI, ask yourself questions like, when I think about this issue, what do I feel in my body? Do I feel tension, pain, tingling, buzzing, heat, or cold? Emptiness, numbness, or nothingness? Pay attention to feedback from your body. There are no wrong answers here. Just try to be as specific as possible about your experience. Step two, measure the intensity. Next, give your MPI number of intensity on a zero to 10 scale. This is called the SUDS, or Subjective Units of Distress Scale. When you focus on your MPI, how intense does it feel at this moment? A 10 would be the most intense you can imagine. A zero would mean that you don't feel any intensity at all. Don't worry about getting the SUDS level exact or right. Just follow your gut instinct. Step three, craft your setup statement. With your SUDS level in mind, your next step is to craft what's called the setup statement. This statement focuses your mind on your MPI. The basic setup statement looks like this. Even though I, describe your MPI, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. So, for example, you might say, even though I'm so worried about my presentation, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Or, even though my whole body tenses every time I think about my ex taking the kids this weekend, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Your setup statement should resonate with what you're experiencing when you begin tapping. There are no magic words that unlock the door to stress relief. Your goal is to say words that have meaning to you. So if the basic setup statement doesn't ring true or feel powerful, change it. Here are a few of the many variations on the basic setup statement that you can use and change to fit your experience. Even though I, describe your MPI, I completely love, accept, and forgive myself and anyone else. Even though I, describe your MPI, I choose to forgive myself now. Even though I, describe your MPI, I accept and forgive myself. Even though I, describe your MPI, I allow myself to be the way I am. Even though I, describe your MPI, I'm willing to let go. Even though I, describe your MPI, I'm willing to hold a new perspective. Even though I, describe your MPI, it's over and I'm safe now. Even though I, describe your MPI, I choose to release this stress now. Step four, choose a reminder phrase. The reminder phrase is short, just a few words that describe your issue. So for example, if your setup statement is about your anxiety about a presentation, your reminder phrase might be, this anxiety about my presentation. You repeat your reminder phrase several times when you're tapping, so you can vary it if you'd like. 
as long as you stay focused on your MPI. In this example, you might say, all this anxiety about my presentation, so anxious about this presentation, so much anxiety about this presentation. Step five, tap through the points. Once you have created your setup statement and reminder phrase, you're ready to start tapping. You'll start by saying your setup statement three times, all the while tapping on the karate chop point, which is on the side of your palm, just above your pinky finger. You can tap with whichever hand feels most comfortable to you. Tap at a pace and force that feels right. You can't get it wrong. After you've said the setup statement three times, you'll move on to tapping through the eight points in the tapping sequence while saying the reminder phrase. These points are eyebrow, side of the eye, under the eye, under the nose, chin, collarbone, under the arm, and top of the head. You can tap on whichever side of the body feels best to you because the same meridian channels run down both sides of the body. Tap five to seven times at each spot as you work through the process. This doesn't have to be an exact count. If it feels right to tap 20 times or 100 on one point, then do it. The idea is to spend enough time at that point to speak your reminder phrase and let it sink in. Don't worry about being perfect. Just do what feels right and have the experience. There's a diagram of the tapping points in the PDF that came along with this audiobook, but for the sake of you listening in the car, I'm going to describe the points to you right now. We start with the side of the hand, which I mentioned earlier is below the pinky. Right on the side of the hand, we call the karate chop point. Just tap gently, use whatever hand you want. Then we move to the eyebrow point. It's on the inside of the eyebrow, right where the hair ends and it meets the nose. You can tap on one side or on both sides, whatever's comfortable. Then we move to the side of the eye. It's not at the temple, a little further in, right next to the eye. Again, one side or both sides. The next point is under the eye, right on the bone, underneath the eye. Then under the nose, right under the nose. The chin point is not actually on the chin, it's above the chin, below the lip, right in that little crease there, again, on the bone. The next point is the collarbone point. To find that, feel for the two little bones of the collarbone, and just move down an inch, out to each side about an inch. You can tap with all ten fingers of both hands to make sure you get that point. Second to last point is underneath the arm, three inches underneath the armpit, right on the bra line for women, either side of the body. And the last point is at the top of the head, right on the crown. Step six, check in. You've now completed a round of tapping. First things first, take a few deep breaths. Feel your body and notice what's happening. Did you experience a shift of any kind in your emotions or in your body? How intense does your MPI feel on the 0 to 10 scale now? If your MPI went from an 8 to a 7, that's huge. It means that tapping is beginning to relieve your stress. It means a shift happened in just a matter of minutes, so keep tapping. If there's no change, that's fine too. It's common for people to need more than one round of tapping to experience relief, especially as they are new to the process. As you check in with yourself, to see if you experience any shift, ask yourself a few questions. What sensations did I experience in my body while tapping? What emotions came up while I was tapping? What random thoughts or memories came to mind as I was tapping? 
yawning, sighing, burping, and more. People often ask if they're doing something wrong since each time they tap, they begin yawning or experiencing other physical effects. These are all good signs. They're ways that your body is relaxing, moving and releasing energy and letting go. When you tap, make a point of noticing all the ways your body responds. Switching from the negative to the positive. Throughout the book, each tapping script begins with the negative or truth, a statement that includes your MPI and any related challenging emotions and beliefs. Most of the time, I'll end with at least one positive round of tapping, which presents a new way of moving forward. For example, if you are tapping on anxiety around a presentation, you might end your tapping with phrases like, I can release this anxiety now. I can focus on practicing. I'm safe being seen and heard by all those people, and so on. As a general rule, it's best to get the intensity of the negative down to a 5 out of 10 before moving on to the positive, and then to keep tapping on the positive until you feel the negative emotional charge has decreased to a 3 or lower. Step 7. Test your progress. Once the intensity of your MPI has decreased, it's time to test your results. You can do this by refocusing your attention on your MPI. If focusing on your MPI still feels emotionally charged, continue tapping through a few more rounds using the same language and see if you can clear your MPI altogether. Or you might find that, as you think about your MPI, your emotions change. Instead of feeling anxious, for instance, you now feel angry. That's great. That's an indication that you're getting to the root of your MPI. In that case, you can move on and tap on your anger. If while tapping on that anger, you find that it's masking yet another emotion, like sadness, go ahead and tap on that sadness as well. Just keep tapping through the layers of your emotions until you experience the relief you're seeking. Aren't emotions a good thing? Why do we tap on releasing them? People sometimes ask me why we focus on releasing emotions when we're tapping. Aren't emotions a good thing? Yes, they absolutely are. Our goal with tapping is never to stop feeling our emotions. Instead, tapping helps us acknowledge how we're feeling and then feel that more fully. When we can do that, our emotions naturally progress. For instance, if you tap on anger, that anger may then turn into sadness, which then becomes compassion. As a result of this emotional processing and release, which often happens faster with tapping, we become more present in the moment. That presence then supports you in becoming your greatest self. How to tap video. If you prefer video, you can watch this five-minute How to Tap video online at www.thetappingsolution.com forward slash what dash is dash EFT dash tapping. Great, you're now ready for day one, which is also when we'll begin tapping. Week one, cultivating peace. Day one, peace or panic. My morning didn't go quite as I'd planned. Well, that's a bit of an understatement but I won't start this book off too dramatically. As I like to do, I'd set an intention the night before to get up at the crack of dawn, 
beating the frenetic rush that late mornings often bring, do some tapping, maybe a short meditation, play with my adorable one-year-old daughter, and then do some quiet reading before diving into my day. Before falling asleep, I could see how great my day was going to be. I could feel how naturally my creative energy would flow. It was going to be amazing. A day for the ages. What's that joke about making plans? Somewhere around 3 a.m., my one-year-old woke up. And this wasn't a short awakening as often happens with toddlers. She decided that 3 a.m. was a fantastic time to be wide awake and play for an hour. So I had to join her middle-of-the-night tea party. Actually, a cup of tea would have been nice. This party just involved putting blocks in and out of a box for an hour. I then overslept. Those glorious morning hours as the sun rose were greeted by my profound snores. When I realized what time it was, I jumped out of bed and skipped my morning tapping meditation, as well as that peaceful reading I'd envisioned. In my groggy state, I defaulted to immediately checking my email. I did play with my daughter, but certainly wasn't fully present, and I received no answers to my kind questions as to why exactly she was up at 3 a.m. The fact that she doesn't speak yet certainly didn't help that dialogue. Since I knew my inbox was bursting with urgent emails, again, I just waited impatiently for her wonderful mother and my wife, who was even more sleep-deprived than I was, to wake up and take her. There were also several important calls I needed to make, as well as new employees to hire, mentor, and manage. Plus, family was calling. I needed to schedule some renovations we were doing on the house, and I had to figure out my travel schedule for the next few months. And did I mention that I was sleep-deprived? And like every new parent, had been on and off for months. Oh, and I also had this book to write. Sorry to land you right in the middle of my messy morning. Now, to back up so you don't think you've picked up the book of a complainer whose life is out of control. Here's the reality. I feel enormously blessed in my life. I do work that I love. I'm in good health and I have a beautiful and supportive family and friends. I live in a home and town I feel deeply connected to. I am blessed. That is a given. On any given day, though, I face the same choice we all face even in the midst of everything that is wonderful about our lives. Do I respond to these moments, these mornings, these daily challenges from a place of peace or a place of panic? Do I make lemonade out of the daily lemons, big or small, that life serves up? Or do I fight the lemons, plead to exchange them with some sweet oranges, question why there are so many sour lemons in my life? Peace or panic? Which do you choose? The answer we all want to give, of course, is peace. When we're overwhelmed, exhausted, feeling dread at the sight of our inboxes, overextended from caring for friends and family, home, work, and finances, choosing peace in a deep, authentic way is no small feat. In many ways, it's the biggest challenge we'll ever face. Peace or panic? It's also the one challenge we'll face billions of times, literally, in our lifetime. Peace or panic. Becoming your greatest self isn't about being faster than a speeding bullet or powerful enough to leap tall buildings in a single bound. It's not even about realizing your biggest dreams and passions, 
changing the world, or being superhuman. Although those things, okay, some of those things can and do happen, becoming your greatest self is more about the simple choices we each make every day in our worst moments, our best moments, and the many others in between. It's those choices, the daily actions that then allow you to realize your biggest dreams and passions, allow you to change the world, allow you to be superhuman, and heck, maybe even to leap a tall building in a single bound. And within each of those moments is the reality of a simple choice, peace or panic. The many ways we freak out. When we talk about feeling or experiencing peace or panic, we're not necessarily referring to a state of complete, uninterrupted monk-like peace or absolute frenzied manic panic. With both peace and panic, there are multiple levels we're likely to experience on a regular basis. In tapping, we use a 0-10 to scale to rate the intensity of our emotions before we tap and then measure the shift we experience as a result of tapping. That same idea applies to the concepts of peace and panic. If you pause in the midst of an especially busy day and do a few minutes of tapping, you may feel more peaceful, but not completely at peace. There may also be times when you experience a low-grade panic. When you're not frantic, you don't feel a sense of ease either. After tapping, you then feel more peaceful. These shifts, however big or small, are really important. In fact, it's within the context of these small shifts, and sometimes you get a huge one thrown in for fun effect, that our lives are transformed. Over a period of a few days or even a week, small shifts have a huge impact. Extend those small shifts out years and decades, and that is how we manifest our greatest selves. Noticing where you are on the peace or panic scale of experience will feel more natural as you continue through this 21-day process. You'll also begin to notice how each one of these states tend to manifest in your experience, your physical body, and your life. For now, the simplest and most relevant definitions I can offer are the following. When you're in an authentic place of peace, you're likely to feel more open, aware, even curious when faced with challenges. In the absence of certainty, you feel calmer than you might expect. Emotionally as well as physically, you may experience less tension, pain, resistance, and confusion. When you're in a place of panic, you're likely to feel more closed off and shut down. This can also manifest physically as tension and pain, as well as an inability to make decisions, focus, and more. It can also manifest as a sense of overwhelm, even apathy toward people, places, or things you care about. Which definition best describes you right now? Are you mostly in a place of peace or a place of panic? The truth about positive people. When I think about the authentically positive people I know, the people who live most often from a place of peace, there's one belief they all share. Every single one of them views being positive as a daily practice. They never stop training their brains to see, feel, and experience the positive. They're never done being positive. It's a state of mind and a way of being that they constantly cultivate. 
when they find themselves veering away from the positive, they pause, take a breath, and course correct. Positive growth is never perfect. The process of first noticing if you're in a place of panic and then shifting toward peace sometimes takes a little time. Most often, though, it's an ongoing process that ebbs and flows along with your life. Which brings me back to my morning. So I'm in the thick of it. My energy is a bit off. Not frantic, but not peaceful either. Sure, I've gotten a bunch of things done, but the seamless creative flow I dreamed about hasn't happened yet. And I have a choice to make. Am I going to take a few moments to notice and tap on what's going on in my body as well as my mind, choosing peace? Or am I going to continue through my day fueled largely by adrenaline and stress, choosing panic? Before I discovered tapping, let me be honest about the fact that I didn't always want to notice if I was living from a place of panic. At that point, awareness wasn't helpful. After all, if I notice that I'm living my day from a place of panic, but have no way to change that, awareness isn't useful. More often, it's another reason to panic. Think about that for a moment. Have you ever been told to chill out or to stop sweating the small stuff? These messages are everywhere, and they're incredibly appealing. Who wouldn't choose to let it go? If it were that easy, we would all have chosen it long ago. When we hear those messages, most of us respond, either out loud or internally, easier said than done. That struggle to choose peace is a result of the brain's inherent negativity bias. There's a biological reason why it's easier said than done. We'll learn a lot more about that tomorrow in day two. But for now, just know that you're not the only one who struggles to find a place of peace. Taking a breath. It wasn't until I began tapping that I began to really get the value of mindful awareness of my experience. With tapping, this tool that can quickly transform my physiology, my state of mind, and my emotional experience, the simple act of noticing that my morning is, so far, coming from a place of panic is everything. As with so many things, awareness is a skill, and to get good at it, we have to practice. Even now, I don't always do that perfectly, which is why it wasn't until almost lunchtime that I realized I'd let a mild, adrenaline-fueled panic guide me throughout the early part of my day. And let's be honest here, even after recognizing that my morning had gone off course, it was easy to default to panic. Like most people, I know how to subtly beat up on myself for losing my morning. With tapping, though, I have a better option. I can accept this morning for what it was, Stop, take a breath, and tap on transforming my experience. And you can do that as well. Before we practice that and experience its power, let's first look at a core cultural belief that can have a profound impact on whether or not we stop and take a breath or instead allow ourselves to be swept away in a familiar tidal wave of everyday panic. Letting go of the chicken and the egg. Picture your perfect morning. You can visualize it, right? The sun is shining. You wake up feeling rested and rejuvenated. You do a few yoga poses. How do they make it look so easy? Meditate. Om, and begin your morning with some green juice. Mm, kale. And perhaps tea or coffee. Of course, organic, fair trade, picked under the right moon. 
you shower, get dressed, have your perfect healthy breakfast of whatever this year's in-diet is, and dive into one of the most fulfilling and productive days you've had in a long time. It's amazing and inspiring, and you end the day feeling so sure that the routine you began that morning is the one that will change your life. You tell yourself that if you repeat this morning every day, you and your life will be transformed. There's only one problem. Every morning won't unfold in exactly the same way. There will be mornings when you don't feel great. There will also be gloomy mornings when there's no coffee in the house and the dog is sick. There will be a morning when, gosh darn it, you just don't want the green juice. So what happens then? There's a deeper challenge at play here, a belief that might just be keeping us stuck. And that's our cultural focus on the external world. When we envision a perfect morning, we focus first on the sunlight streaming in and on the simple but important things that we will do. Yoga, meditating, green juice. Gotta be perfect. Gotta do it right. Gotta do what everyone else seems to be doing to be happy. It's an understandable bias in a culture that emphasizes accomplishment and productivity. A culture that values doing over being. After all, for a lot longer than we've been told to chill out, we've been told to get more done in less time. Naturally then, when we imagine a perfect morning, we begin by envisioning what we will do and how the world around us will be. We then credit those external factors for making us feel how we yearn to feel. Peaceful, grateful, energized, fulfilled, happy, and so on. My tendency is to focus on email as the beast that has snagged me. When I have an off-kilter morning, I tend to blame my habit of checking email soon as I wake up for derailing my routine. Admittedly, email is not the best way to wake up. Taking those 10 minutes for a tapping meditation and then being fully present with my daughter before doing some quiet reading is a far more peaceful and enlightened way to start my day. The reality is, though, there are days when I do need to get on top of my email earlier than I'd like. There are also days when I'm overtired and less focused than I'd like. The temptation here is to say that we need to stop pressuring ourselves and each other to do more faster. And I do believe that's true, but I also know it's not the answer. Doing less, or even just doing less of what doesn't fulfill us, doesn't guarantee a path to authentic peace. Think about it. Have you ever envisioned a day off after a long week as a relaxing, rejuvenating experience and then found, when it actually came, that you couldn't relax no matter what you tried? Although you did the activities you'd originally envisioned, the time didn't feel the way you had imagined it would. That happens because peace is an entirely internal state of being. Peace happens when we're fully present in the moment. Nothing and no one and no place or circumstance outside ourselves can give us peace. Only we, ourselves, can choose to pursue it. Which brings me back to the simple practice that turned my day around. I stopped. I noticed what was happening, living from a place of panic. I took a breath and I tapped. When we take a few moments to take a breath and tap, we let go of stress, literally by lowering the levels of the stress hormone cortisol in the body and redirect ourselves to a place of peace. From that place of peace, all sorts of magic and miracles manifest. You've got this. There's an incredible moment I've witnessed 
in hundreds of thousands of people in my years of tapping. It's that moment when people connect with their power to transform their experience. It's like a huge light bulb suddenly turns on and they realize what I too realized when I first began tapping, that we can all use this incredible technique to shift our experience. And that simple reality that you are in control, that you can change your state, can change everything. From one moment to the next, you can move toward peace and away from panic, toward health and away from pain and discomfort, toward love and away from conflict, turmoil, and even trauma. Some people have this light bulb moment quickly. For others, it takes time and repeated tapping. For now, all I ask is your willingness to trust that you too have this power to shift your day, your night, and then your week. One moment at a time, then one day at a time, you can tap away the varying levels of panic and discomfort and experience a deeper, longer-lasting sense of peace. And from there, from that place of peace, of openness, of willingness, your greatest self and then your greatest life will emerge without strain or struggle. Day 1 Greatest Self Challenge Practicing Peace Join me for our first challenge. Every morning, notice if you're beginning your day from a place of peace or a place of panic. Whether it's in your first five minutes or your first hour, make a point of pausing to notice where you are mentally and how you're feeling emotionally as well as physically. Then take just five minutes to tap on releasing any panic you're feeling. As the days progress, see how this simple process changes your experience. Do you feel calmer? Do you feel more patient with your kids? More productive? Less anxious as you're sitting in morning traffic? Are you having creative ideas that might turn around your financial situation? Are you making healthier food choices? Notice these shifts in your daily experience. Be sure to use the tapping meditation for today, day one tapping meditation, from panic to peace, found in the appendix. Come back to it anytime it feels relevant. First though, open your calendar and decide when you'll complete day two of this journey. Will it be tomorrow, the day after, three days from now? Pick a day, commit, and add it to your calendar. Don't skip this step. Make this commitment to yourself now. Day two is where you'll discover how your brain is hardwired and use tapping to rebalance it in ways that support your highest vibration and greatest self. Don't miss it. It's a key concept we'll refer back to throughout this journey. You'll be amazed and possibly relieved too to discover what your brain's been up to. Day one tapping meditation from panic to peace. This is a great tapping meditation to use when you're feeling the negative effects of stress, like when you're struggling to relax and slow down at the start or end of a busy day. It's also great when you feel stressed or anxious but aren't exactly sure why. To begin, take a deep breath and check in with yourself. How are you feeling emotionally? Do you feel stressed or anxious? Worried or overwhelmed? Impatient? Notice what comes up for you. Also notice your physical experience. Do you feel tension, tightness, or pain anywhere? Do you feel any clenching, tingling, heat, or cold? After noticing these different aspects of your present moment experience, visualize putting it all in a panic sack. 
On a scale of 0 to 10, with 10 being impossibly heavy, rate how heavy your panic sack feels right now. Take one deep breath to get grounded and centered in your body, and we'll begin by tapping on the karate chop point. Tapping the side of the hand, even though I'm feeling all this panic and stress, this sack is so heavy right now. I love myself and accept how I feel. Two more times, even though I'm feeling all this panic and stress in my body, I love myself and accept how I feel. Even though I'm feeling this heavy load, I love myself and accept how I feel. Tapping on the eyebrow, all this panic. Side of the eye, so much stress. Under the eye, it's such a heavy load. Under the nose, I feel overwhelmed. Under the mouth, it's too much. Collarbone, all this stress in my body. Under the arm, all this panic. Top of the head, I can feel how heavy it is. Eyebrow, it's safe to feel this panic now. Side of the eye, really feeling into this stress now. Under the eye, I don't have to fear it. Under the nose, I can let myself feel how heavy it all is. Under the mouth, this panic sack. Collarbone, it's too heavy to carry. Under the arm, I have to put it down now. Top of the head, but that feels hard to do. Eyebrow, I'm used to carrying it. Side of the eye, it's been with me for a long time. Under the eye, I'm used to this weight. Under the nose, even if I don't like it, under the mouth, even if it's too heavy to carry. Collarbone, I can choose to put it down now. Under the arm, to let it go. Top of the head, to release it now. Eyebrow, I can let myself rest. Side of the eye, I can start to let go. Under the eye, I can give myself a break. Under the nose, it feels so good to let go. Under the mouth, and sometimes it feels weird. Collarbone, feels like I have to hang on. Under the arm, but for now, I choose to let go. Top of the head, I choose to let my mind and body relax. Eyebrow, I choose to know all is well. 
side of the eye and feel safe in my body now. Under the eye, feeling safe in my body now. Under the nose, releasing all the stress and panic. Under the mouth, from every cell in my body. Collarbone, right now. Under the arm, letting it all go. Top of the head, right now. Take a deep breath and check back in. See how you feel emotionally and physically. Notice any shift you experience by rating that weight of your panic sack. How heavy is it on a scale of 0 to 10? Keep tapping, either doing this tapping process again or doing your own tapping until you get the relief you need. Tapping tip. Tapping is also a great self-discovery tool. If while tapping you have an aha moment about something specific that's bothering you, tap on releasing that. Whether it's an emotion, memory, or something else, your fastest path to peace is always by releasing the weight of your present moment experience. Day two, negativity hardwired. A look at the primitive brain. Grog and Thor sit perched at the edge of their cave. You know Grog, your great, 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 great ancestor. You'd recognize him. You both have the same nose. He's waiting patiently, but alertly with his friend Thor. They've been hearing some saber-toothed tiger sounds not too far from their lovely abode. Grog says, Uh-oh, you don't speak caveman. I'll translate for you the rest of the way. I'm pretty nervous about that tiger. It sounds like a big one, and it's coming our way. Thor, twiddling his thumbs, half meditating in a lotus position, says, Brother man, there is nothing to worry about. The sun is shining, we've discovered fire and some basic tools, and this cave is luxurious. Bask in gratitude and the joy of life. Grog looks around nervously. It sounds like the tiger is getting closer and quickly. Thor, I'm going to higher ground. We're tiger meat in this spot, and I don't think the two of us are going to be able to handle this guy. Grog, you are so negative. Always talking about what could go wrong. Always moving to higher ground or worrying about this or that. You know, you're just not going to attract what you want in your life with that attitude. Sensing the tiger's approach, Grog scampers away at a full sprint toward higher ground, where the tiger can't climb. He makes one last desperate call to Thor. Please, run! Thor continues his peaceful meditation and is swallowed almost whole by one of the largest saber-toothed tigers to roam the ancient world. Well, at least Thor seemed happy until his untimely death. Grog lives, and with him, his DNA, and partly because of his negative, pessimistic, cautious attitude, he survives. Thor has vanished, along with his happy genes. And so it goes, again, and again, and again, and again. And thus, the human brain evolved, literally clinging for dear life to something we call the negativity bias. 
Your Brain's Primitive Panic Button. Yesterday we looked at peace and panic, and we began using tapping to have a new experience. Ever wondered why we even need to do that? Why there always seems to be something or several things standing between us and happiness, us and peace, us and fulfillment, and so on. Why is it so much easier to choose panic over peace? Sometimes it seems like our default setting is to be negative and fearful, and that's because, in large part, it is. For our own protection, cue Grog and the negativity bias that saved his life, the brain evolved to assume the worse. It's biased toward negativity. In his book, Hardwiring Happiness, Rick Hansen, Ph.D., explains this concept in more detail. Our ancestors could make two kinds of mistakes. One, thinking there was a tiger in the bushes when there wasn't one, and two, thinking there was no tiger in the bushes when there actually was one. The cost of the first mistake was needless anxiety, while the cost of the second one was death. Consequently, we evolved to make the first mistake a thousand times to avoid making the second mistake even once. In general, the default setting of the brain is to overestimate threats, underestimate opportunities, and underestimate resources both for coping with threats and for fulfilling opportunities. Then we update these beliefs with information that confirms them while ignoring or rejecting information that doesn't. There are even regions in the amygdala which is an almond-shaped part of the midbrain that's intricately connected to the body's stress response, specifically designed to prevent the unlearning of fear, especially from childhood experiences. As a result, we end up preoccupied by threats that are actually smaller or more manageable than we'd feared, while overlooking opportunities that are actually greater than we'd hoped for. In effect, we've got a brain that's prone to paper-tiger paranoia. Most of us can recognize this experience in our daily lives. We get an email or text that feels unclear, whether in meaning or tone. Immediately, we go to the negative, or we get a call, and someone says something vague like, hey, do you have a minute? We need to talk. For most of us, it takes only a second or two to assume the worst. Without thinking, our brain translates, we need to talk, into something's wrong. Similarly, rather than noticing that the text message we just received is unclear, we default to the negative, deciding, for instance, that it's hurtful or insulting. We then feel fearful, angry, sad, any number of negative emotions that reinforce our need to defend ourselves from yet another attack. Before, we've even considered that the person may have been in a rush and carelessly worded the text message, we're ready to retreat and or attack him in return. And because of how our brains have evolved, this process is so automatic that we often don't even recognize when it's happening. When you really think about that, it's pretty extreme. It's also the reality of the human brain, which defaults to a negative lens so powerful that it easily and quickly taints our entire experience. Tricky, sneaky, and subversive too. Sometimes the negativity bias is even subtler and harder to notice. For example, in the off-kilter morning I shared in day one, 
my negativity bias might look like me deciding that I can't control my mornings even if I don't love how they feel. Oftentimes, we brush off these decisions casually. What are you going to do? We ask. It's just life, we say, as we return to our to-do lists. While it's true that we often have limited control of the external world around us, these reactions can, at times, support us in lowering our expectations. In tiny ways we don't consciously recognize, we then give the brain's negativity bias room to thrive. Best-selling author Brene Brown sums it up this way. We think if we can beat vulnerability to the punch by imagining loss, we'll suffer less. We see this tendency to focus on negative experiences more than positive ones in research studies as well. The psychologist Daniel Kahneman received the Nobel Prize in Economics for showing that most people will do more to avoid loss than to benefit from an equivalent gain. In intimate relationships, we typically need at least five positive interactions to counterbalance every negative one. And for people to begin to thrive in life, they usually need positive moments to outweigh negative ones by at least a three-to-one ratio. I would argue that these numbers might even be larger than the research suggests. I know that one negative review of my books on Amazon can easily overwhelm 100 positive reviews, if I don't tap on it, that is. So how can we reverse this negativity bias in the simple, everyday ways that allow our greatest selves and then our greatest lives to emerge? It starts with cultivating simple awareness about how those three pounds of gray matter that you're carrying around, aka your brain, actually work. Just being aware of your brain's negativity bias is a huge first step in overcoming it. That basic understanding encourages us to view positivity as a practice rather than an attribute or personality trait. Being positive then becomes a skill we can consciously choose to hone every day. Day 2, Greatest Self Challenge, Redirecting Your Brain So how do we actually bring positivity practice into our lives? On a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, how can we reprogram our brains to recognize and accept positivity without becoming so detached from our surroundings that, like Thor, we're prematurely devoured? Start by simply noticing when you default to the negative. Start with the little things, like that email or text that feels unclear. Your brain's natural bias will lead you to assume the worst. Your brain's innate negativity bias will support you in feeling judged, accused, and so on. Starting today, make a point of simply noticing when your brain's negativity bias is being activated. Remember, it's a hardwired response that we all experience, so there's no need to blame or shame yourself for it. Don't stress or worry about it. Just notice it. And once you see your brain's negativity bias at work, pause and ask yourself, could this be my brain's negativity bias talking? That's it. Just notice it for now. Say hello, maybe introduce yourself, and we'll use that awareness to build from in the coming days. Make sure to take time to use the day two tapping meditation, turning toward the positive, to begin reorienting your primitive brain to notice and value the positive. You're beginning to create an important foundation for choosing peace.
When will you complete day three of this journey? Open your calendar, commit to a day, and add it now. Day three is when you look at the role of community and how to transform your experience within it. Even people who are often surrounded by friends, family, and colleagues are surprised by the impact this day has on them. Day two, tapping meditation, turning toward the positive. This is a great meditation to use when you're struggling to feel and see the positive. With repeated use, it can help your brain to be more balanced, less prone to always resorting to the negativity bias. To begin, take a deep breath and check in. Now that you've noticed your brain's negativity bias at work, what emotions do you feel about whatever caused your brain to go negative? Also, notice your physical experience. In this negative state of mind, do you feel tension, tightness, or pain anywhere? Do you feel any clenching, tingling, heat, or cold? After noticing these different aspects of your present moment experience, notice how intensely negative you feel on a scale of 0 to 10, with 10 being extremely negative. Take a deep, grounding breath, and we'll begin by tapping on the karate chop point. Tapping on the side of the hand. Even though part of me is feeling all this negativity, it's so hard to feel positive. I love myself and accept how I feel. Even though part of me is feeling all this negativity, sometimes it's so hard to feel positive. I love myself and accept how I feel. One more time. Even though part of me is still feeling very negative, I'm used to thinking that way. I love myself and accept how I feel. Eyebrow, these patterns of negativity. Side of the eye, so much negativity in my brain. Under the eye, it feels so real. Under the nose, this negativity feels like the truth. Under the mouth, it all seems so real. Collarbone, all this negativity. Under the arm, it's encoded in my brain. Top of the head, it's meant to help me survive. Eyebrow, this negativity bias. Side of the eye, it's trying to protect me. Under the eye, it feels so real. Under the nose, it feels so true. Under the mouth, this negativity bias. Collarbone, it's really convincing. Under the arm, but it's here to keep me safe. Top of the head, but it also makes my world feel dark. Eyebrow, this negativity bias. Side of the eye, it feels so true. Under the eye, but what if I could start to let it go? Under the nose, what if I could retrain my brain? Under the mouth, to see the positive. Collarbone, to notice the light.
under the arm to notice the good things in my life. Top of the head, releasing these patterns of negativity now. Eyebrow, letting them all go. Side of the eye, training my brain to see the positive. Under the eye, to feel strong and confident in my body. Under the nose, to release all the self-doubt and fear. Under the mouth, to release all these patterns of negativity. Collarbone, cultivating peace in my body right now. Under the arm, feeling positive now. Top of the head, feeling strong and confident and positive now. Take a deep breath and check back in with yourself emotionally as well as physically. Notice any shifts on that zero to 10 scale and keep tapping until you get the relief you most want. (laughs) 